I want to ask you to look at Psalm 108, verses 1 through 4. Now, before I preach today, I want to just address some things with you. Number one is this. Um, I pray that we are training you to recognize and then appropriately respond to offices that are presented to you as a church. For example, the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4 has specific functionings to them. And so when an apostle shows up with an apostolic anointing, be it on Zoom or be it in the building, then we must respond to that apostolic anointing. So what does that mean? The apostle operates in the apostolic, which is a functioning of the office. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that God is set first in his church apostles. The word first in Greek is proton. It's a positive force. And so sometimes the apostolic can be pretty aggressive about pushing you in your destiny, right? So we recognize that and we don't get offended when that anointing begins to lean on you a little bit. Then the pastor anointing is a, an anointing that nurtures you. It nourishes you. It doesn't placate you, right? But it'll comfort you. Teaching, the teaching anointing will build you. It's a structure anointing, all right? So the evangelist anointing will give you a compassion to go out and preach the gospel and, and witness to people. Are, are you learning something here so far? So this fivefold ministry is all demonstrative in its functioning. And when you know what is in the pulpit, you'll know how to respond. Because if you don't respond to those offices in a response in the spirit, then you'll miss what that office is there to give you an opportunity to enjoy. Or the, am I too deep for y'all? I know it's Sunday morning. This is kind of like a Wednesday night teaching. But I'm saying all that to say this. Today is going to be a different day. Okay, and what do you mean, Pastor Rick? The whole demonstration of this message will be something maybe you're not used to. Maybe, maybe, you know, it'll be unique. It'll be what I call conspicuous, okay? And you'll go, wow, I, I've never heard it like that, or I've never seen it like that. So it's going to be different. So in modes of preaching, there's what we call homiletically correct preaching. Homiletically correct preaching is the art and science of preaching. I taught a, I taught a whole uh, Bible college course on the art and science of preaching called homiletics. And it is a proper way of preaching in regards to thought, subject, and presentation. So you basically have three points, and then you just throw something in there at the end called the hook, right, which brings it on home. That might be a poem maybe an illustration are you learning anything so far okay um, but then there's different styles of presentation there's manuscript preaching you'll see some preachers never leave the pulpit they'll stand there and read their whole message which is fine you know that's their way of delivery but then there's expository preaching and expository preaching is when you come in real free real loose and you just kind of find the direction of the Spirit. Then you ask your people to get on the bus. Right? 
And once you're on the bus, you just ride the bus, right? And I promise you the bus is going to take you to a wonderful destination. So what are you saying, Pastor Rick? Yeah, get on the bus because today I'm the bus driver, okay? And we're going to take you to a wonderful place of your destiny. And God is going to touch you in a powerful way today. Jesus will be magnified and the Holy Spirit will have his way. Is that okay with you? If that's okay with you, let's give God praise one time, okay? So here's what you have to learn about expository preaching and expository services. There's a lot of spontaneity to it, right? Because it kind of exempts the idea of structure or agenda. And it just opens up to flow. And it just says, okay, let's just see where we're going to go today. Now, most preachers say that when they've not studied. Whenever you hear a preacher say, today I'm going to speak to you from my heart, that means they're not prepared. They didn't study. I'm going to talk to you from my heart today. No, I'm just kidding. I have probably overstudied for this message, but I want it to resonate with you, and I want it to bless you. So let's do what we always do, which is not only appropriate, but is respectful. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Is that good? Everybody good? Somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 108, verse 1. Oh God, my heart, everyone say my heart. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory, my being. Verse 2, awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. And I will sing, say that word, sing. Say it again. I will sing praises unto you among all nationalities. For your mercy is great above the heavens. And your truth reaches to the clouds. Lift your hands please. Pray after me. Lord, have your way. I'm ready to receive. In Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen. So we've been preaching on wholeness or oneness. We've been talking a lot about the soul. We've talked a lot about the soul. When he says in Psalm 108, verse number two, or verse number one, I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Here's another version of the Bible says, I will sing and give praise even with my soul, my being, my essence. In wholeness, we've learned that the definition is without fragmentation. Nothing lost, nothing missing. It means to be complete. And we've even gone so far to talk about the difference in soul ties and soul mates. 
people who are not whole tend to be attracted to other people that are not whole. Their thought is this. Even though I'm not complete, if I get hooked up with someone who is, then I'll be okay. Marriage is never a reason to pursue wholeness. Two half people does not make a whole person. Right? All right. So we talked about the soul being the seat of your emotions, including your appetites, your desires, your passions. I remember that old song we used to sing, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. I wish somebody would get emotional about this. That's basically what the song is saying. Get you some passion in your soul. Passion is important. I've got a question for you. What songs make you cry? What songs make you cry? Let me ask it another way. What songs move your soul? So as I was thinking about the completion of this series on oneness, specifically wholeness concerning your soul, I thought to myself, what soothes the soul? What moves the soul? What does the soul enjoy? One thing I've learned is that music can move your soul more than just about anything. So what songs move your soul? Someone once said music, Plato said this, music gives a soul to the universe. It gives wings to the mind. Music gives flight to your imagination. And music really gives life to everything. Let me get more specific. 1991. The Super Bowl. A young lady walks out with an oversized jogging suit dressed in white. And she sings the national anthem. And her name is Whitney Houston. And if you heard that and you didn't cry, you're not American. There's something about her delivery of that song. That was the staple. She set a standard with that song. So everyone that has sung it since 1991 has tried to reach that level. And I don't know about you, I've never heard it matched again. People have gotten close, but they just didn't get there. Are y'all with me? Let me ask you another question. Did you, by the way, some of these young people in here are thinking, I don't even know who Whitney Houston is. <laughs> 1991, I wasn't even a thought. So I'm going to ask the young people to forgive me a little bit today because I'm going to really age myself today. Um, but let me ask you this question. Do you remember 2001? 
The Arizona Diamondbacks were playing the New York Yankees in October. Did you hear what year I said? 2001. What happened in September of 2001? 9-11. And they set up a piano in center field. And a blind man named Ray Charles sat down at that piano and he sang America the Beautiful. If that didn't move your soul, you are not American. I cry. I listened to it this morning just to see if it would still move me. As a matter of fact, I've got it cued right now. I was going to play it and I thought, I don't know. I'm going to preach a long time anyway. This adds five more minutes to the play it. Ladies and gentlemen, to honor America with the singing of America the Beautiful. Please welcome the man and his soul, Mr. Ray Charles. Thank you. 
Charles, you you don't care if you're on time or not. He was on a whole different beat. But he owned that song. If, if you don't at least have one tear in your eye, you're not American. But what made that song so powerful is, of course, he owned the song. But it was the timing of the song. This nation was torn in half for the first time in its history we had been attacked by terrorists and the timing of him singing this song is really what makes it so powerful and when Ray Charles sang that song it touched soul the soul of this nation People talked about him singing that song for months. I've learned something about people. People love the highlights. They love to see snapshots of life. People usually avoid the hell it took to make that highlight. They want to avoid, I wrote this this morning, they want to avoid the dark room and the negatives that it takes to get a positive, pretty picture. Yeah. It's something how a song can make a highlight out of a horrible situation. It's called the power of music. It seems music can cause a mess. I wrote this this morning as well. And music can remind you that you are blessed. It can incite anger and violence. And it can make a baby shift from crying to silence. Music can make you happy. It can make you sad. Then it can make you remember things that made you glad. 
But music can also be controversial. Is there any Kleenex here? I don't really want to wipe my nose on my sleeve. How about that for transparency? Thank you. Full blood American. Anyway, I remember as a teenager, there was these guys that traveled around preaching in churches about music. Um, and they scared you so bad that I remember about 400 teenagers bringing every album. <laughs> you know, them big 33s. All their cassettes. Some of y'all remember eight tracks. And we would bring them and burn them. And because every one of them was the devil. Sail away was of the devil. I remember holding on to two. And I started to throw them in. And hmm, I said, that's Leonard Skinner, man. I, I can't do it. Simple man. I can't throw that away. And then in my left hand, I had ZZ Top. Little house on LaGrange. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm going to keep that one too. And sure enough, the youth pastor saw me. He eased up in my ear and he said, you going to let the devil use you like that? <laughs> Bye, Leonard. Skinner. Music can be controversial, kind of like a word I used this week on Facebook to refer to self-righteous leaders that cover their sin while exposing others. And I used that word without thinking twice. It was the easiest thing for me to do. I never even thought. It never crossed my mind. It's just part of my vocabulary. It is to this day. <laughs> Somebody said, mine too. <laughs> now, of course, we won't say the word. We, we won't do that. Because I didn't know. And I'm saying this as honest as I can say it. I was a little taken back by how some people received it. It never crossed my mind that people would take offense at the word. For some, the use of the word got more attention than the content of the blog. And I thought to myself, if a word can cause people to be affected like that, what can an entire song do? Do y'all love Giovanna? Is she the sweetest thing? I can tell you, she is sugar from here to her feet. Hi, babe. And... I just love her. She just don't speak bad about people. She's never. I've never heard her say a bad word about one person, ever. She's just sweet. It's genuinely what you see is what you get. 
I'm not quite that sweet. And I expected to really get it from her with the block. And she told me, babe, it's how you feel. I love you. I said, then they really are all. <laughs> so I was talking to her about this message, right? And she said, you know, I remember when I was in Missionettes. Anybody know about Missionettes? Royal Rangers? We won't say what denomination that is. Assembly of Gods. But anyway, there's a wonderful kids program. And it's powerful. Churches use their curriculum everywhere. And it's powerful stuff. So in her class, everyone had to come and do like a talent. Like bring a craft, do a dance, something. So Giovanna, you know what a wonderful singer she is. I love your singing, babe. I didn't, well, anyway, she went and she got before a little girl, before a class, and she said, I'm going to sing from a distance. Do y'all know that song? Anybody know? Jamie, you know that song? Jamie, I need you kind of close. Yeah. Like, Tony, bring your wife's chair around here. Yeah. What did I say when we started? Spontaneous, right? I just thought of that. This might be a good idea. Or no chair. Okay. Do you know from a distance? Yeah, just the first line. Yeah. You're going to be doing a lot of first okay. lines. <laughs> You're going to be Somebody, doing a whole lot Google. of first lines, okay? <laughs> no, okay? From a distance, that's all now. Yeah, that's all. Y'all recognize it now? And then she, then she Beth, Beth Midler starts singing, God is watching us. You remember? God is watching us. God is watching us. So she wants to sing this song. And the teacher says, you can't sing that song. And Giovanna said, why? She said, because it's secular I think Giovanna still heard over that <laughs> she was telling me she's like I wanted to sing my song and really I, I had to scratch my head at that and I thought man we can be real real religious we really can we really can I mean if I read the whole history of the song and it was the lady who wrote the song wrote the song about her piano that she had longed for, and her mom and dad sent it to her. It had been away from her for years and years and years. And when it got there, the people who brought it in said, you can't play it for a year. So she had her bedroom upstairs, and she would leave the door open and look down at the piano because they wanted the piano to settle before they tuned on it. So she sang the song about from a distance. Kind of like God is watching us. I thought that was pretty cool. But it didn't come from the church, so it's got to be Satan. Um, all right, let me move on. Man, I wish I would have kept my Leonard Skinner albums.
Music has been called the most accessible and most researched medium of art and healing. In a review of current findings on the connection between art, healing, and public health, published in the American Journal of Public Health, I recently saw a study that showed singing helped boost cancer patients' immune system. Can we go a little deeper? Wouldn't it be disrespectful to talk about love songs? I, I don't want to offend no one, like using certain words on post. But have you ever heard the song by Vince Gill, I Still Believe in You? Have you ever heard it, Jamie? Oh, it is? Yeah. Sing, sing a line of it. I still believe in you And a love that will always be Standing so strong and true She go on and sing the whole song then, Jamie. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I was just waiting for you to tell me to stop. <laughs> Jamie. No, 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 you sing as much as you want. I was just kidding. Hey, Jamie. Have we practiced this? No. <laughs> I have my phone out. <laughs> These guys have no idea where I'm going. It is a blast when you're the bus driver. <laughs> what about Brian Adams? When you love someone. No? You haven't heard? You have? Okay. All right. Let me when hear. you love somebody, give everything. Yeah, that's it. That one? That's all. No. That's real good. <laughs> Let's bring Whitney back in the sanctuary. I will always love you. Do you know that one? I will always love you. The one Dolly Parton wrote that Whitney Houston. And I will always love you. And I will always love you. Hush your mouth, man. I had to get to my spot. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's a bad girl. Tony, you, you blessed, man. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> my wife's fine. Don, Bonnie Raitt. What about... Um, I can't make you love me if you want. I can't make you love me if you don't. And I can't make your heart feel something it won't. I'm not going the rest of it. No, don't go. No, <laughs> what about Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton? Do you know that? Would you know? Yeah, that's it. See? If I saw you in heaven, would you feel the same? Yeah. If I saw you in heaven. You never listen to secular music, do you? You used to snake it now. It is so <laughs> obvious that you have never listened to a secular song, especially love songs. I can see you know none of them. Have you ever been watching a movie and you can feel the music in the background? Y'all remember Jaws? 
the guy, we, we were teenagers when we went to see it. The guy I went to see it with, boom, 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 and the music started. And he jumped when that guy got bit on the... Boy, y'all are on it, man. I love it. And that boy was on that surfboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that shark came up and got him like that. Yeah. yeah. My buddy jerked so hard that he hit himself right here and broke his glasses right in half. <laughs> what about songs in relation to time? Yeah. And I'm thinking about today old hymns. Yeah. Old hymns are still powerful. I love old hymns. Anybody love Amazing Grace? Let me hear y'all sing. Okay, stop, stop. Y'all are on 50 different chords here. We've, we know who not going to be in the choir. There you go. You got it. How about, what about it is well with my soul? Oh, yeah. You know, you know. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like That don't touch your soul. My favorite hymn is, I don't know the name of it, but I know the words. My hope, that's My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. She just knows that's my favorite song. Well, no, you said it. Oh, I did say it? I dare not trust the sweetest way. Your wife sings better pregnant. A whole <laughs> yeah, just keep Jesus. her pregnant. She's anointed pregnant. <laughs> just stay pregnant all the time. Stand up and sing it, Jamie. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Sing it, church. All of the Somebody clap your hands and give God praise here today. Music. How about some songs that bring back memories of people in your life? Have you ever heard the song Go Rest High on that mountain? By Vince Gill. Um, when I hear that song, I always love that song. 
But it didn't mean as much to me until it was sung at my mom's funeral. Now, every time I hear the song, I cry. Yeah. Because why? That song takes me to a place. Yes. Yes, sir. When I was telling Josh the story about Giovanna this morning in my office about at a distance, he said, as soon as you said that, my mind went to a street in New York. He named the street. Yeah. It was during the Christmas holidays, and we were singing Christmas carols. But that song was popular, and we sang it every day. Song can take you to a certain time, a certain place. Do you know that song? Oh, okay. Sing a little of it. Go rest high. Go rest high on the mountain. Sun, your work on earth is done. Does anybody else know it? Come on. So go to heaven shouting. Love for the Father and the Son. I know. This is no pride. This is expository, totally. This is good. Another song that takes me back in time and it reminds me of my dad. Jamie is not going to know this one, I can promise you. I don't know. It's called Lay Your Head Upon My Pillow. Some of the older saints say, yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Yeah, Lord. Lay your head. Ha! You know that song? No, we know the Tony, Tony, Tony version. Oh, no, no. We're not talking about Tony, Tony, Tony. Look at that. We're talking about Ray Price, brother. Anybody know Ray Price? That's what we're talking about. Everybody having a good time? It's all good, right? And that reminds me of my dad because my dad sang that song in his band. Junior Hawkins and the Dixie Drifters. My, my, my. <laughs> How about that name for a band? And um, he used to take me with him. Of course, it was a secular country band. And he would make me sing Proud Mary. Y'all don't know nothing about Proud Mary. <laughs> You don't know that, do you? Yeah, I do. Sing a little bit of it. Tina Turner sang it. Left a good job in the city, working for a man every night and day. Never ever lost one minute of sleep. About the three things, things might have been. Big wheel, keep, keep on, on turning. Stop. What y'all doing, Saints? Hold on a minute. Hold on, Tony. I'm going Mama Josie on y'all today. Man. Jamie, you may have other people in the church that has been listening to some secular music. So have you ever been watching TV and somebody's singing a song and you're sitting in your chair and you just start crying? Yeah. I'm the only one that does that? <laughs> First of all, you need to understand, Crystal, wave at me, Crystal. Who's the two biggest crybabies in the church? Yeah, me and you. That's right. <laughs> if the national anthem is sung, we're going to cry. Yeah. Unless Carl Lewis sings it. 
But other than that, we're going to cry. Um, I know a lot of you don't watch American Idol, and for good reasons. I just mute it when they start talking about transgender, and I just mute it. <laughs> guys are guys and girls are girls. That's just Thank how you. it is. Sorry. But I just mute it. And then, because Lionel Richie is like the pastor. Yeah. He starts counseling people. He gets up, looks at them. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and here he goes. And it's like I'm listening to him and I'm, I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, man. And then he'd start telling a story. And then here comes the music. And then the person starts singing. And then here comes the tears. And Giovanna's just looking at me like, you are a punk. <laughs> You are crying over this thing. Praise the Lord. I hope y'all enjoyed the message today. Was that spontaneous enough for you? I want to show you something. That was my introduction. If you saw the rest of the message... That was all introduction. The question is, can I preach that many pages in four minutes and 30 seconds? <laughs> no, I can't. There's no possible way I can. So I'm going to keep you here till 2 o'clock. No, I'm just, y'all are just playing around and I am too. Watch what it says our text. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake harp. I'm going to run through this real quick. I'm going to steal a few minutes. I'm going to use my four, 345, and I'm going to add about 10, 13 minutes. Everyone say when the music stops. When David says, awake the harp, yeah. you, you must understand that the harp is the most important instrument in all of Scripture in relation to atmospheres. The trumpet is the most important instrument in Scripture in relation to movement. Yeah. 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 I'm going to show you how important music is all through Scripture. When the music stops, you got to look at Psalm 137. The Bible says, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps. There it is. Hanging them on the branches of poplar trees, willow trees. For our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs you sang in Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a strange land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy, 
you must understand that captivity has a way of silencing your song. But the captives that belong to God, even in captivity, they said if we don't sing the songs of the Lord, may our tongue cling to the roof of our mouth, denoting the idea that no matter where you are, you can change the condition, of, the condition of your circumstance by the way you sing praise to God. And I say it like David said it. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth before I stop singing the praises of God. Because when the song stops, the slavery starts. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You can sing your way in a situation to the freedom of a soul that is at liberty. The question was, how can we sing in a strange land? The answer is this. I will never forget the songs of the Lord that we sung in Jerusalem. He's, the Bible says we hung our harps in trees. The power of the harp, Lord, help me get through this thing here. Begins in Genesis chapter 4 where we find the son of, of Lamech. His name is Jubal. Father of those that handle the harp. Whew. That's in Genesis 4.21. Jubal was his name. Jubal is the root word for jubilation. Jubal is mentioned 50 times in scripture. 50 is the number of jubilee. Are y'all with me right now? Jubal means a stream. It means to lead by flowing. Music that knows how to flow can take people from where they've been to the place they're supposed to be. We need to get in our hearts that our praise and worship services are not about stimulating your mind. It's about moving your spirit out of a captivity into the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. When the Bible says that Jubal was the father of all that, that, uh, that handled the harp, it means literally to maneuver the harp. It means to wield the harp like a sword. You, when you are an anointed musician, your instrument, instrument becomes a weapon. Say it again, Pastor Rick. When you are an anointed by God musician, your instrument becomes a weapon. Your instrument is only the expression that your soul moves through. So it's not the sound of the instrument you're hearing. It's the soul of the person that's holding it moving through that instrument. And when you talk about playing a harp and you know how to play it, I was thinking about this this morning studying that the harp is a 12, 10, or eight-stringed instrument, kind of like um, Butch's basses. Like, he's the only guy I know that's got 15 strings on a bass. It's usually four. But in music, uh, give me a, a G, just a G major. Okay, now add a seven. Okay, that's the, that's the seven of G, do it again, G, G7. Now the G7, the seventh note in the musical scale is a note of transition. Lord have mercy. Means you playing G, you hit G7, what are you going to? C. That's music theory. 
If you're playing in G and you hit the seventh note, that is a signal that we're transitioning to another chord. The harp had eight strings on it. In a musical scale, there are seven notes. The eighth note is a repetition of the first note. Meaning every time David played his harp, it was the sound of a new beginning. When he played all eight strings, it included the seventh note. That means we're going to the eighth note. And the eighth note is a repetition of the first note, which means in this sound, we can have a new beginning. Which means if their harps were hung in the willow trees, they had no hope for a new beginning. If their harps were hung in the willow trees because they were in captivity, it gave them no hope for another future. And what I came by to tell you is many of you have been living in captivity. But there is a sound in this house. If you will just tap into the sound, it will bring you out of where you've been to the place you're supposed to be. Somebody give God praise right there. When the music stops, captivity rules. That's why you have to be careful of what kind of music you're listening to. Listen to what I'm telling you. I happen to listen to secular music. Your pastor, sorry, don't send me to hell, and I'm not burning my tapes or my albums or my CDs or my cassettes. I'm probably going to listen to Simple Man today unless Giovanna feels certain kinds of ways and we put Marvin Gaye on. Don't know. But I'm not going to sit there and get you know, excited with my wife listening to the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not going to happen. But the worst thing for me to do is get in a fleshly carnal state of mind and listen to Hank Williams Jr. singing It's a Family Tradition. What is that going to do? It's going to pull me into that old carnal mindset. Are y'all in here? Job said it like this, my harp is tuned to mourning. His condition tuned his harp to the sound of mourning. My question to you is, what do you have your harp tuned to? If you surround yourself with songs of sadness and depression all the time, guess what you're going to feel? That's why you got to really watch country music. Because country music will tell you how to lose your wife, your truck, your tractor, your dog. She took my dog and my tractor too. Expository. <laughs> when the music stops, captivity rules. When the music starts... Freedom reigns. Watch this. 1 Samuel 16, 16. I'm blowing through this. Let our Lord now command your servants which are before you to seek out a man. This is the servants talking to Saul. A man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee. From who? Y'all look real quiet. I promise you, if you go to 1 Samuel 16, 16, it's going to say that. 
it's quiet now. God has some interesting tools like evil spirits to get our attention. Watch this. That this man will play the harp with his hand and you, king, Saul, are going to be okay. Look at verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, I know a guy. I have seen the son of Jesse, David, that is cunning and playing, a mighty valiant man and a man of war, prudent in matters. He's a comely person, handsome. And the Lord is with him, cunning and playing. Listen to it. The ability to perceive and see, to find out and discern. Let me tell you who a dangerous musician is. A dangerous musician to the devil is one that can show up with this instrument and see and perceive what needs to happen in the atmosphere to shift the whole thing over. A cunning, anointed musician will wield his instrument like a weapon. Watch what happens when David starts playing. Why is he coming? To bring deliverance. Anytime you're going to bring deliverance into a place, there are some things you better bring with you. Number one is the anointing. The second one is discernment. 1 Samuel 16, 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit was upon Saul, when David took the harp and played with his hand, Saul was refreshed and made well and the evil spirit departed from him. When music is anointed by God, it does not just move your soul, it ignites your spirit. When music is anointed by God, it drives out any evil spirit that is in you or around you. I have seen people delivered right in the middle of praise and worship before a preacher ever took a microphone just because somebody got up under the oil and started singing with the anointing and the evil spirits recognized that God is in the place and it left the building simply because somebody was cunning. Shoo! Are y'all in the building? When the Bible says, that his spirit was refreshed. It means to revive his perception. It changed his outlook on life. And he became well. If your outlook does not change, your outcome will remain the same. Your outlook is what changes the outcome. Nothing will change your mind quicker than music. Music has a way. You can walk, I can walk in my house not feeling so good about stuff, and my wife, probably 85, 90% of the time, has salsa music on. And when she does, I just walk in, I just, whew, girl, bring me a tortilla right now. telling you the truth. It can make you happy that quick. Are you with me? It changes your outlook. Somebody said it like this. Music is the prophet's art. Among the gifts that God sent, one of the most magnificent. Music, anointed by God, calms the agitated heart, temptations, evil thoughts, and all the passions that disturb the soul. 
and they are quelled by its divine control. As the evil spirit fled from Saul and his distemper was allayed when David took his harp and began to play. When the spirit departed, it literally means this, it turned and ran. It declined its attack and bowed down. Oh, Lord, I've been praying that God would bring such anointed music in this house that anything evil that followed you to the church, when it got to the door and heard the sound of the anointed music, will bow down at the outside door, turn around and run down the street trying to get away from you. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? The harp sustains. The harp sustains. Um, Aaron, get, turn your guitar. Is his guitar on? Just hit a note and, and then there you go like that. Just like that. Now then, I want you to hit a note and sustain it. Just hit it. All right, I'm going to get away from my notes. Let me show you something. The harp is this important. The only organ on your body that looks like a harp is your ear. When David says awake the harps, he's not only talking about the instrument, he's talking about your ear. Because faith comes by and hearing. There's an organ in your ear called the organ of Corti. If that organ is damaged, which means the, the hairs are broke, then you cannot produce what you hear. That's called tone deaf. You lose that ability when you are injured or it was never developed. So some of you are, you try to sing and you sound like alfalfa. It's called tone deaf. You can sing a note in somebody's ear for three hours and they can't hear it so they can't repeat it. God spoke to me and said, when you get in the right atmosphere, where the right sound is permeating that atmosphere, the harp will begin to awake and recognize faith will be built and miracles will be released. You know what I pray today? God, awaken our harps that we can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Somebody give God praise right there you to sustain that note because that's that's what heart heart means sustain it's made of almug wood it's kind of like acacia wood which means it's wood that does not dissolve the opposite of a dissolving note is a sustaining note Jesus said I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly Study it out and do the proper exegesis. This is what it says. That you might echo life. Do you have a reverb on your guitar? Hit a reverb button there, Aaron. Watch. Some of you have been running. You run, you stop. You get it going and you quit. You go a little further and you give up. But guess what God is about to do?
He's about to give you a word to sustain your faith. You're going to tell somebody, I'm going to outlast this situation I'm in. I'll stop. I'll stop. I got 10 more pages here. Hmm. I'll end it with this. 2 Kings 3.15, because I don't want to go back to this, so I'm going to end it now. Elisha says these words, bring me a minstrel. That's a musician. And it came to pass when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Listen to the New Living Translation. Now bring me someone who can play that harp. This is a prophet. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. Elisha said, I won't even prophesy without a musician. Some of you will see me in our altar time. And I'll tell Aaron, prophesy on that guitar, man. You ever heard me say that? And I'll get over here and even give him some reinforcement. Play that thing, brother. Because if, any, if I've ever seen anybody that'll get up underneath the anointing and play a guitar, it's this guy. When he gets a hold of that heart, and you start wielding that thing like a sword, every demon in this building start ducking, start trying to get away. Why? Because the heart player has arrived. Listen, Elisha said, I ain't even going to prophesy until the atmosphere is right. Bring me a musician that can set the atmosphere so I can prophesy. There's a certain sound that demands an atmosphere of praise. There's a certain sound that demands an atmosphere of repentance. There's a certain sound that produces an atmosphere of war. There's a certain sound that produces an atmosphere of intercession. And there's a certain sound that produces an atmosphere to prophesy. Prophesy does not mean to foretell. It means to tell forth. And when the sound gets right in the atmosphere, then the prophet can start prophesying a future for you that is secure, that is protected, whew, that you can walk into with confidence. So I've been praying, oh God, touch our soul. And that's a beautiful thing. But let me tell you something. When the anointing gets on a song or a musician, it bypasses your soul and it grabs your spirit. And when your spirit is touched, your soul has to follow. Jesus said this, my father is seeking those who will worship me. Not in soul and truth, but in spirit and truth. You must graduate your worship from your emotions. Watch this. Your emotions will always be involved, but they cannot dictate your devotion. Your devotion is the highest expression of your worship to God. So if it's got to feel right to you, number one, you're selfish. And number two, you're looking for temporal stuff. But when you say, God, I'm going to worship you in this building and I'm going to sing your praise until the harps come off the willow trees, until people are set free, then the atmosphere begins to shift. <laughs>